Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Healthy Matters here on A3OWCCO. And Dr. Hilden uh, with us this morning as usual, your host. Happy Mother's Day to all. And happy Mother's Day to everyone listening. I was going to say happy Mother's Day, Denny, but that's kind of ridiculous. Well, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) I don't have a comeback for that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm looking at you. I'm thinking, what the heck? Happy Mother's Day to everybody, Um, whether you're a mother or not. Um, We all... uh, we all um, uh, have had a mother or we are one or we have a sister who is or a partner or we are in a mothering role to other people no matter what. And so thank, thank you to all our moms out there. Last night on Saturday Night Live, there was the funniest little sketch about, about mom with, moms with Emma Thompson. I just loved it. I shouldn't be promoting you know, other, <laughs> other, other shows, but it was funny. <laughs> I have to check that out. So happy Mother's Day to everybody. What are we going to be doing today? Um, what we're going to talk about, we have two experts from our Traumatic Brain Injury Center at Hennepin Healthcare. And regular listeners might know this or you might not, that um, uh, Hennepin has one of the premier uh, traumatic brain injury programs, I would say, nationwide and certainly in our region. Um, we have expertise that you would not believe. And you might, you might be thinking, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't hit my head today. What do I care? You know, I don't have a brain injury. Oh, you gonna? This is relevant to um, to um, everybody listening because you um, you may know somebody who's had a brain injury. You may know somebody who's had a stroke, and believe me, the 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 parallels are are. There's a lot of parallels. Um, you might be an older adult who's having balance problems, and and I'm going to talk to my guests, but a lot of people um, fall and get brain injury. So this is a great topic, but we're going to focus on two main areas. I'm going to start out by introducing Nicole St. John. Nicole is in studio with me. Um, she is a certified occupational therapist, and welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Great to, great to have you. She's been with Hennepin about four years, she tells me. She has expertise in working with patients who have suffered a stroke, traumatic brain injury, physical impairments, and other neurologic processing deficits that affect patients' independence in your daily activities. So... Um, we're going to talk about what in the medical field we talk about ADLs a lot. Is ADLs a word you use or is that just it, like guys like me? Nope, nope. It is a common phrase that we use in, in lingo in occupational therapy world or the medical field in general. It stands for activities of daily living. Okay, so, you know, what we love to do in medicine is put a long acronyms on things, you know, and, and you know, because do. it makes it sound very cool. It definitely ADLs does. comes out really easy. It rolls what, off the tongue. So, Nicole, what are 
ADLs. And then I'm, and then I'll introduce our second guest yeah, in a moment. Yeah, um, activities of daily living. I kind of classify them as anything you do on a daily basis that is important to you. And so when we um, kind of work with patients, we work to find out what's important to them. They can be as basic as getting dressed, using the restroom, taking a shower, walking around, or they can be as complex as driving, um, returning to work, text, you know, activities and tasks, um, any of the, those kind of complex things. So it's a really wide range of things that kind of cover, and we really focus on what's important to the individual person. So sometimes in the hospital, we'll focus more on basic EDLs per se. And that's more typical, getting dressed, getting up, walking around. And then as the people kind of progress, it gets a little bit more complicated. And we work on returning to driving, vision, reading, computer, returning to work tasks, depending on what you do as a career or as a person. So you work out of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center, right? Correct. Uh, are, are, are there parallels to people with strokes? Do you see that as well? Because somebody had actually asked me that. You know, does, is stroke and TBI kind of related? Um, They're similar in the fact that they're both like kind of a neurologic condition. Um, And so our approach, we we work with both of them. Um, In therapies, we aren't super specialized in working only per se with this exact diagnosis or this exact parameters of a diagnosis. So um, it doesn't really make too much of a difference for our interventions um, per se as just being able to work with them. What we do specifically with, you know, some of the symptoms following a stroke versus some of the symptoms following a traumatic brain injury are different, and then our approaches differ from there. But um, they are different, but in terms of therapy, we kind of work with everybody. Fabulous. Let me introduce our second um, guest who's in the studio today. I have Allison Carlin um, in the studio. She has been with Hennepin a few years longer. I think she told me 11 years. And she is a speech-language pathology program specialist. Um, we got acronyms for everything, too. In the medical chart, we, we always write SPL or, um, for speech path. You know, what's the speech pathologist say? Um, she has expertise in working with patients with mild to, to severe impairments in speech language, cognition, or swallowing. Swallowing, what's that about? She works primarily with patients who've suffered a traumatic brain injury, but also with patients with stroke, encephalopathies, um, anoxic brain injury, or other various neurogenic conditions. And she also does research at the Hennepin Traumatic Brain Injury Center. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you for having me. Okay, maybe you can answer this question for me. Why do I have an occupational therapist and a speech pathologist here in talking about brain injury? You know, tell me about your role um, and what you do. That's a pretty loaded question. It is a loaded question. <laughs> um, we we have a pretty far-reaching role, actually, um, in speech-language pathology, like you mentioned. Um, brain injury can impact, of course, first and foremost, cognition, so our attention, reasoning, memory, um, things like that in terms of thought. Um, it can certainly impact communication, so word fluency. It could impact the way that you use your facial nerves uh, in order to speak. And also uh, your speech muscles and nerves are typically used in swallowing as well. So that's kind of where the overlap comes in. And we certainly will see with more moderate or severe brain injuries problems with swallowing. Uh, so we do evaluate and treat that just because it's a safety issue. Um, people could... If that if that process didn't go well, they could actually aspirate and be at risk of a pneumonia. I want to talk a lot more about the, uh, both my guests' individual areas of expertise, both in occupational therapy and in speech language. Um, 
uh, pathology. So we're going to talk about them more specifically. But on a broader strokes, could you guys tell me about Traumatic Brain Injury Center and, and someone who has – first of all, tell us what that means. What is Traumatic Brain Injury Center? And then I want to ask about, about the, the range of services that someone in your fields can do. So who wants to tackle – first of all, what, what's, what do we mean by TBI? You want to tackle that one, Allison? <laughs> sure. So a traumatic brain injury is um, anything. It, it can be a result of a mechanical blow to the head, or it can be a result of a blow to the body. And um, so there are varying degrees of brain injury. Uh, the mild brain injury might just be the brain actually uh, connecting with the inside wall of the skull bones or the cranium, whereas a more moderate or severe brain injury could involve bleeding or broken bones or um, air inside of the brain uh, following a traumatic event. Um, so there's a pretty broad range of how uh, those injuries manifest, but it can be the result of anything from a fall to an impact to the body to sometimes even a lack of oxygen after like a cardiac event. I was saying um, um, prior to going on the air, uh, uh, Denny and I were talking on the air, and I was saying that I have a, a close friend of ours that um, uh, fell. Uh, uh, I won't get into specifics um, for for privacy, but <laughs> but – but just fell. Uh, he wasn't skydiving, or he, you know, he wasn't playing football. He was walking, and he tripped and fell, and um, fortunately didn't didn't have a, um, a significant brain injury. But is that a common way that people actually have brain injury? Is just falling? It's very common, actually. Yeah, um, falling. I've I've seen a lot of patients who have tripped over things or leaning on the back of chairs and tipped the chair over, hit their head on the wall. Um, it doesn't always necessarily, like you said, result in a, you know, a traumatic brain injury. Um, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes um, the frequency of which people hit their heads affects their likelihood of having a TBI. And so um, if you're one of those people that consistently hits their heads or they see it a lot in like sports or other physical activities where um, there is a lot of impact in some degree to the cranium and the brain, um, then you're more likely to kind of see the TBI, but it is possible and pretty common to have uh, falls resulting in TBIs. So how do they get into the TBI center at Hennepin? Is that just something that somebody calls up and says, hey, I want to see you guys. I fell down. I hit my head. Or is this a referral thing? Or how do they get in to see you? How do your most of your patients land in your clinics? Well, actually, they um, I believe they change it so people can now self-refer to uh, the TBI clinic. And then you can also get a physician's referral, like you have a primary doctor. Um, and then how it works usually is then you see our physicians and the TBI specialists in the actual TBI center in the clinic. And then they, you know, they kind of assess your case and your care and make recommendations for therapies depending on kind of the needs that you have or mm-hmm. that individuals have. And you could also enter into the, the greater center with a more acute injury through the emergency department. Uh, so the EMS brings people in. They might spend some time on the SICUs or floors. There's different, many different layers of the center depending on injury type and severity. So Nicole's talking about more of the outpatient uh, TBI program, but the center encompasses all of the different areas within the hospital that a person might be at. We're talking about traumatic brain injury, and the Traumatic Brain Injury Center at Hennepin Healthcare offers comprehensive patient care education, services, research. Um, for more information, I'm going to give the website. It's hennepinhealthcare.org slash TBI. All right, very good. We'll take a break. Invite our listeners to get involved in the show. If you'd like to uh, send us a question, you can do it via text 81807 or call us 651-989-9226. 
Partly cloudy skies on this Mother's Day morning. Our CCO temperature reading 44. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. If you have a question for the doctor and his guest, 651-989-9226. There's a line open if you'd like to use it. Or send the text, if that's easier, 81807. Here again is Dr. Hild. Thank you, Denny. We're talking to uh, Allison Carlin and Nicole St. John, two um, experts from our Traumatic Brain Injury Center at Hennepin Healthcare, right here in beautiful uh, garden spot of the country, downtown Minneapolis. I don't know why I just said garden spot of the country, but there you go. I did. All right. Let's talk. We're talking about we're talking about therapies for um, traumatic brain injury and other related things. I'm going to turn to you, Nicole St. John. She is an occupational therapist. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about activities of daily living. So what, could you talk us through some of the main, um, the most common problems um, and adaptations your patients are having to deal with after their traumatic brain injury? Sure. Um, so I uh, work with kind of a spectrum of, of patients. So there's more mild to moderate to severe um, TBIs or traumatic brain injuries. Um, I tend to work an outpatient more so with mild to moderate um, traumatic brain injuries. So people come into the clinic, they, um, they can walk and can, you know, they can kind of function. And so in that aspect, um, some of the activities of daily living that are influenced are often, um, kind of visually associated with deficits. And so it's deficits in reading, um, driving, uh, work, work related things, kind of organization, um, processing, uh, memory, which Allison and the speech therapy also works on as well. So we kind of divide and conquer a little bit with that, but kind of remembering to take medications and some of those things. Um, Can I interrupt you there? Yeah. How do you work on memory? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> both, they both have a huge smile on their face <laughs> because I would think, isn't that a common uh, deficit that occurs after TBI? I, I, you know, if you have a cognitive problem in your brain, memory Mm-hmm. must be huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, we probably cover a little more of that in speech therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are kind of, it's a two-pronged approach. So one approach would be becoming more aware of what your brain is doing as you're storing and retrieving memory. And we do that through activities and therapy and, and train people how to do that. And the other approach would be kind of compensating for it as it's become a problem. So using systems and aids, and they're very tailored to each individual. So if you're a techie person, for example, maybe you set a medication timer on your cell phone. So that type of thing. So um, in, in, you're a speech pathologist, speech language pathologist. And you, you mentioned to me earlier before when we were off the air, this is May is May is a lot of months. But one of the things it is is better speech and hearing month. So uh, it's sort of your specialties month as well. How does a speech language pathologist get involved in memory? That's a great question. <laughs> I get that a lot, actually. Um, I think that uh, the, I, I can't remember which Greek philosopher said it, but there's a there's a quote out there that um, thought is of language, you know, and mm. because we are language therapists, it, I've I've heard the argument that without language, it's difficult to have kind of that inner uh, dialogue that goes on in so much of our processing. And I, I guess I'm not sure exactly how it got delineated in our like our professional scope of practice, but I imagine there's a lot of overlap there in the way the brain processes. Just as I asked Nicole, Allison, maybe you can answer a similar question. What are the most common things that you have to treat as a speech-language um, professional with people um, in your clinic? Mm-hmm. So 
in the I spend two three days a week in the mild to moderate traumatic brain injury outpatient program, same as Nicole, and we treat primarily mild to moderate traumatic brain injury. But then two days a week, I am also at uh, NAP Rehabilitation Center, which is an inpatient rehab center that treat I treat primarily um, neurologic changes that could be um, anything from speech, language, communication, swallowing, uh, or voice, and uh, kind of tracheostomy. I'm going to hone in on swallowing. Mm-hmm. One, I've been doing this show now 10 and a half years, and, and in, in my own practice of twice that long, I all the time get people talking about swallowing. And it's something that you don't really think about until it's not working right. Why is it so complicated, just the act of swallowing your food or your water or your own saliva? Why is swallowing such a big deal? Well, how much time do we have? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm telling you, it's a big topic that's come up for me. I'll do my best to put it kind of in layman's terms. It's the swallowing process uh, involves more than 50 muscles that are very small. And in order, I don't think I have 50 muscles in my body. (laughs) In order for all of those muscles to do their job, they're very they're on a very fast and very intricate timing system. So it's it's very it's kind of like an orchestra. You know, if you have one violinist who's way out of tune, the whole thing is going to be off. And um, with swallowing, your brain controls a lot of that just autonomically, um, kind of automatically. But if there's any one muscle or nerve or, or one aspect of that timing in your brain that's not working, the whole thing can fall apart pretty in a pretty big way. Um, I, uh, I have um, family members who have aspiration problems. Um, do you see that? And could you explain what that is? Yes, uh, that's that's the primary concern with swallowing impairment, and uh, essentially what it means is that you have food or liquid that you're trying to drink that's going kind of down the wrong tube. So we've all had one or two episodes of that here and there where you swallow wrong and you really start coughing hard. Um, you have things in your body that protect that. You, you want to cough that material up. There's Your vocal cords are trying to spasm to cough that material up so it does not go into your lungs. People with swallowing impairment sometimes don't have that reflex or um, that, you know, it's just happening so often that you can actually get food and drink into your lungs that can cause uh, serious problems such as pneumonia. Yeah, that, that's a big problem. I know for patients in the hospital, but also probably patients just out in the community who have maybe had a stroke or have had a brain injury and aren't, aren't swallowing right. So that coughing, that choking practically when food's going down the wrong pipe, so to speak, is natural. It is natural, and yes. that's your body's defense mm-hmm. against that happening. So, so are you able to help you know patients who aspirate in in your clinic? Yes, we do. Uh, and but, how do you help them? Again, it's kind of a two pronged approach. So, the the first method is just, of course, first and foremost, we want people to be safe. So, we often start by looking in an X ray view of their swallow to determine what consistencies and thicknesses of liquids they are safe to drink and eat, if any. Um, and if they are safe to eat and drink, let's say you have to have a very thick type of liquid to drink and you're not safe to drink thin water, then uh, we also take a second approach where we might, if they're appropriate for the program, do some strengthening exercises and kind of help rehabilitate that swallow while they're recovering. Okay, thickened liquids. Patients hate them, don't they? <laughs> Most patients are not too fond of the thickened liquids. So, so. It, it's always one of the, the speech-language pathologists who say, your patient can't have thin liquids, they can have thickened liquids. And so is that safer? Is that the deal? It's just safer for people who are at an aspiration risk? Yes, it, depending on, on their swallow study results. Um, many, Why? 
Why is it? It's like, ugh. That's a great question. I think, uh, well, the body of the liquid is just... Um, it's just much thicker. It's kind of like a honey consistency sometimes, if depending on the thickness of the liquid. But it requires a stronger swallow pressure, and it also moves much slower. So mm. it buys them time to to get all that or those orchestra pieces to hit at the right time, so that the things can move down safely. So when your medical professional tells you you need thickened liquids, we hear you. It's not actually the most, uh, maybe the greatest, but it's it is considerably safer, isn't it? Well, we, I know we have to take a break, but we do have another half hour of the show to go. I did not know that May is Stroke Awareness Month. Indeed it is. And and stroke is sort of like, you know, it's think of it sort of like as a brain attack. You know, you have heart attacks, you got brain attacks. It's a, either a bleed or a blood clot um, in your brain. And, and the, the basic problem is you're not getting enough blood to your brain. You need to act quickly if you have a stroke. And so we ask patients to remember uh, for Stroke Awareness Month a little little acronym, Be Fast. Look for these signs. Balance, that's the B, sudden loss of balance. E, eyes, your vision loss in one or both eyes. Be fast, the F is face, your face is weak. Arms are weak, that's the A. Your speech is difficult or slurred, that's the S. And if you have any of those, it's time to call 911. It is the Stroke Awareness Month. Um, though every minute counts, you want more information, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash forward slash stroke, hennepinhealthcareforward.org slash stroke. And um, m- almost all of us know someone who's had a stroke or, or, or at least is at risk for a stroke. So be aware of those things, facial drooping, arms drooping, your speech is impaired, your balance is impaired. You don't like think about it. You call 911. And we will be back. We'll have another half hour of the show to go, as I said. So call us, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. Partly cloudy skies currently in the Twin Cities, 44 degrees. Welcome to this portion of uh, Healthy Matters. We're talking this morning and welcoming your calls and text messages, assessing and treating traumatic brain injury. Uh, And before I throw it back to Dr. Hilden and his guests, let me give you the phone numbers, 651 989-9226. The text, meanwhile, is 81807. Dr. Hilden. Thank you, Denny. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. I hope you have a great day, at least here in the upper Midwest. It's a beautiful spring day. So I'm firing up the grill. Have you grilled yet this year? I did uh, a few days ago, as a matter of fact. Because you're kind of a connoisseur of that. You know what you're doing. I wouldn't call it that. Do you know what I have? I have one of those old Weber grills, old black metal thing with charcoal in it. That's what I use. Do you? Yeah, mine looks like it's been through a a, a bombing run. The thing's really old. Kind of like the Flintstone era. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. So the only thing, the only bummer about it is I think I've run out of charcoal because the last time I used it was last year. So I got to make a charcoal run. But anyway, that might be a good day for mom today. That's to, good. To, it's going to be a beautiful yeah. day today. So we're going to talk about so happy Mother's Day to to my mom, my wife, my sisters, and anyone else who is a mother out there or who is a mother at heart. Um, so let, we're talking about traumatic brain injury, but we're talking about a couple specific things. We have an occupational therapist. Her name is Nicole St. John. She is a um, works in our uh, traumatic brain injury program. Welcome back to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Great to have you. And then we also have um, Allison Carlin. She is a speech-language pathologist who works out of Hennepin Healthcare's Traumatic Brain Injury Center as well. Allison, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. So we have um, the text lines are starting to fill up and the phone calls are starting to come in. We've been talking in the first half of the show trying to lay the groundwork for what's a TBI and what the heck do you two do. And, um, and we've done that. And now we're going to get into a little bit more specific things. I'm going to start um, with you, Nicole, with a text message that came in. And it sounds kind of 
like very specific. It's about your fingernails, but it kind of brings up the point of the things we do in our daily life that can be, you know, challenging. And so this question um, is is this: How do your patients clip their fingernails? That is a very good question. And yes, it is. It is falls in the category of activities of daily living. And so one of the one of the benefits and the the pros of being an occupational therapist is you deal with any sort of activity because everybody does sort of activity. So it can be as basic as cutting nails or something else. And so, um, you know, buttoning your shirt, you know, these things aren't easy. Exactly. All the, all the things that you have to do driving, you know, and so, um, cutting nails and everybody's a little bit different. It kind of depends on what, you know, the person I'm working with is struggling with specifically. If they have one hand or one arm that's not functioning, um, they do make one-handed kind of nail clippers, and so they end up being kind of a bigger contraption. Looks heavy, almost like a uh, like a paper punch or something like that that kind of sits on the table. Um, and then you can utilize that and then almost use it and push your wrist or your forearm on it and then kind of clip your nails for the, to use the weaker hand versus if you don't have the fine motor like the finger dexterity. You're kidding. Really? There's a machine that there, does that? There is that. Yep. I have a heck of a time with yep. two hands, yep. yeah. especially when I'm using my left hand to cut the right exactly. hand. Exactly. Oh. So they have that or some t- sometimes I'll recommend people just buy a bigger nail clippers like they make those toenail nail clippers or anything like that and they, you know, they can tape them to a desk. You can tape nail files to desks and kind of rub your fingers on it that way. Um, oftentimes, as we get older, our nails get thicker. Just That's just kind of how the body ages and changes. And so at that point, sometimes people have trouble with, like, their feet or their toes, and then um, they might just need help, or, or we recommend podiatry or something like that at that point. You have to use your hands for so many fine motor mm-hmm. things. I would imagine that's that can be – you could think of 100 things in your daily life that require you to use your hands. Yes. Um, opening jars and things like that. Are there other kind of tips or devices people can use to help with their – to use their hands oh, at yeah. home? Yeah. Um, they – oftentimes um, I'll tell people if they have trouble opening jars or if they have trouble with like grip, like their, their hand strength isn't very good. Um, they have one-handed like jar openers that you can like purchase. So it's something that you adapt on like a countertop and then you put the jar in and actually it's kind of like it's secured. It's screwed to the, the – the counter or something like that, and then you put it in and kind of twist it. Or um, wearing rubber gloves, like dishwashing gloves, give you gives you more grip to kind of open up um, jars and some of those things. Um, there's and there's an endless amount of adaptive kind of kitchen and eating and kind of fine motor tools out there. Um, even they even sell them on Amazon. What about home safety? Do you talk to patients about that? You know, I'm cooking. You know, or you know, I, I've had a brain injury. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe not thinking as clearly as I did before that brain. I maybe was a highly functioning professional, or or whatever I was doing. But now I'm I'm a little forgetful, or I'm not exactly sure what's up. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, we talk. Well, you talk a lot about home safety, and it kind of uh, the the goal of therapy and the goal of kind of what we do is almost like what we call like an activity analysis. And so we'll break down the activity or the things that they specifically have difficulty with doing, or that they say that they have trouble safety-wise doing, or even maybe they're, they're not really aware of their safety issues with it, but family and friends might bring up that they are concerned about it. And so depending on the task, we'll work on some strategies and make recommendation, recommendations as far as assistance or other like tools and tips and tricks depending on what the activity is that we're kind of concerned about safety-wise. If it's more remembering or some of those things or if it's more like a physical barrier in their house like rugs or tripping over things or or home setup safety i was in the 
the OT, the occupational therapy um, space in the clinic and specialty center. That's Hennepin's um, really awesome building in downtown Minneapolis. And one of the most awesome things about it is the PT gym and the OT areas and the speech areas. And there's a stove in there. And then there, there's one room that, that it's like a bathroom with an old school tub in it. And I, when I was looking in there, I asked somebody, I said, that's kind of an old school tub. And he said, that's because we have to have people getting in and out of mm-hmm. the bathtub. I never thought about that. I mean, just getting out of the, in and out of a tub isn't easy, is it? Nope, it is not. And so we have bathtubs. We have different um, tools as far as like uh, shower chairs or different activities. We try to simulate um, people's home setup as, as closely as possible because that gives us a better idea of um, kind of what they're capable of and helps better prepare them for being independent at home and any safety risks. So we have a stove, we have like a f- fully functional kitchen. Um, if we want to work on like drive, we'd have driving simulators. We have all kinds of stuff to kind of work on simulating as much as we can of daily activities. We're talking about um, traumatic brain injury, but what if, um, you know, and, and we have a, one of the premier TBI centers in the in in the region. It's, but what about people who haven't had a TBI but are having those same issues? Does your occupational therapy department see other patients as well? It, yeah, we do. Um, yeah, so we see a variety, and that's kind of um, what I mentioned at the beginning. Of we we specialize in traumatic brain injury and working with those who've sustained brain injuries, but um, it's also the function function is our focus. And so when people have difficulty with certain tasks and stuff, we will see. Um, any diagnosis or any reason, people just need a referral from a physician to come and see us. But um, it doesn't really matter what they're, perce- you know, it's more functional based. If you want more information about the program where these two work, um, we're going to talk about swallowing next, by the way. Um, if you want more information, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash TBI. The T stands for traumatic, B is brain, I is injury. Um, hennepinhealthcare.org slash TBI. I also want to remind listeners that I did earlier, May is also Stroke Awareness Month. I see the consequences of stroke all the time, weekly in my job at the hospital. And um, stroke is, time is what matters the most in stroke. And so if you um, experience stroke symptoms, uh, uh, please do call 911. Um, I I didn't mention earlier, but some time ago on myhealthymatters.org, that's the blog site, I did a, a little blurb about stroke, and um, I encourage you to go and look at that. Uh, it's myhealthymatters.org. Um, that's all you have to type in whatever browser you use, and it'll pull up an ugly picture of me and um, the blog site, and you can put in uh, in the search term, just type stroke, and it, it uh, gives a little more information. It's from a couple of years ago, but it still holds true um, today. Um, the symptoms of stroke are recognizable, and if you recognize them, and if you call 911 quickly, your outcomes can be better. So myhealthymatters.org, just search for stroke. And while you're on the site, if you were listening about an hour ago, you heard me talk about butterflies. What was I talking about? Just put the word butterfly in the search term, and you can read about that as well. Excellent. Very good. We'll take uh, this quick break. We'll be right back with more Healthy Matters. And welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. We're talking about assessing and treating traumatic brain injury. And here again is Dr. David Hilden. Thanks, Denny. I want to focus a little bit on swallowing now. There's many text messages that have something to do with swallowing. And so I'm going to ask Allison Carlin, she's a speech-language pathologist, to answer a couple of these if you could. Here's the first one. It says, my father occasionally has problems with swallowing pills. Do you have any suggestions that might make this task easier? That's a great question. We we actually get that question a lot in the hospital. So, well, first and foremost, um, 
you know, I haven't met your loved one, so it would be really important uh, to have maybe a, a speech pathologist actually evaluate him um, because I can't exactly predict what the problem might be. But um, we do we do expressly look at that, and you know, for some patients, if it's if cert, you have to make sure with your doctor that certain medications are safe to be, for example, cut or crushed. It's very important that you check with a physician, um, which which is another reason you should really have an evaluation if pills are concerned. But some medications are safe um, in certain forms to be crushed and put into like an applesauce or a puree. Um, and sometimes, too, just, you know, having a few strategies, putting a pill into the strong side of the mouth, um, swallowing twice, rinsing extra, things like that, tucking your chin a little bit, you know, a speech pathologist can help guide you in what might be safest for your, for you or your loved one, but um, that's a very common problem. Is swallowing a volitional event? Can you control it? I mean, isn't it once you get it rolling, it's out of your control? That's an excellent question, and actually it's both. So um, everything that kind of happens in your mouth stage of the swallow, so taking the food in, chewing, uh, kind of organizing the food into what we call a bolus or a little kind of a ball of chewed food, that's sort of volitional. That that's something you're aware of. But in you know, in most cases in a healthy swallow, once it passes a certain point and starts to go down, it's more of a reflex. It happens very rapidly. Yeah, I, I hear about that all the time. It's like, you know, you only can control the upper part of it. But those are some pretty good tips there. I really like what you said, Allison, about the crushing thing, because that can be really helpful for some people. Crush it or cut your pills. But not all medications, that's not acceptable for all medications. They might be a time release thing or something, and you've messed up the time release um, properties of it. Or there might be other reasons why the, the pills themselves, you can't do that. So that's a really good tip, I thought, is crush them if you can, but find out first if the ones you take before you crush a single pill, find out if that's an acceptable one for you to, to do that to. Um, you can ask your pharmacist, which brings me up a kind of an interesting point. Next week, we're having yeah. an Ask the Pharmacist show. Um, Lori Wilhite has been a, is a pharmacist, one of the best pharmacists I know. She's been on the show many times. She works at Hennepin. And she's going to uh, conduct a, an Ask the Pharmacist show with one of her colleagues. So if you have medication questions, um, she's infinitely more knowledgeable than I am about your medications. I prescribe them, but she knows more about them. And so um, – Get your medication questions ready for an Ask the Pharmacist show next week. It's a format we're going to try every now and then, so we'll see if you like it. Um, That gave me a little chance to plug that. Here's another question for you, Allison. It says, my dad sometimes gets food stuck and saliva comes out. The texter actually says spews out. Um, The doctor once gave him some explosive concoction to remove the food. What happens when the food gets stuck? I don't know. I have any idea what the explosion, explosive concoction is. Yeah, uh, I I would love to hear more about it. I'm 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 sure it's a real thing. I um, in terms of where the food is sticking, there there are a few places that can happen, and so I'm not exactly sure. Um, for example, you can have some people with a facial weakness on one side that will have food stick kind of in their cheek pocket. Um, and sometimes people with a facial weakness, if they have kind of a droop on one side, will be more likely to lose liquid or even uh, partially chewed food out that side. Um, and there's not a lot you can do for it other than kind of training yourself to dab with a napkin and um, maybe put food more on the strong side of the mouth. If something is sticking lower than that, um, it's a little bit trickier. Uh, that becomes a bit more dangerous and generally um the, the only way to handle it is to really double swallow uh, if there's sticking or what we call stasis kind of down in the more of the throat area. 
And then anything below that, you know, if someone is having sticking kind of in their upper esophagus is actually more of like a GI specialty question. Um, when you said about the, the food sticking thing, is it better for someone whose food is getting stuck to just eat mushy food? In some cases, yeah. Um, most of the time, if people have a really uh, significant weakness on their on one side of their face, they are on softer foods, um, avoiding things like steak or crunchy hard breads or salads, things that are harder to chew like that. Mm-hmm. All right, tell you what, we have folks on the line. Let's see if we can help out. Barb is first up here in Roseville. Barb, uh, go ahead. You're on CCO. Yes, I just wanted to say that I have a friend who has cerebral palsy, and she can't swallow just regular pills, so she gets a clear capsule from the pharmacist, and she sticks the pill into the capsule, makes it much easier for her to swallow. Barb, thank you for that. That's an interesting thing. The pill itself is hard, but the capsule apparently is easier. I like that idea. It's a great idea. It's amazing what some pharmacies can do to help with that. Yeah. Barb, thank you for that. I think that's a tip that makes perfect sense to me. If it's the pill itself, you know, they're chalky or they're, they're, you know, they're just not, they're not slipping down the back of your throat to maybe put it in another inert vehicle, something that isn't medically active. Um, I love that idea. Um, uh, that was a good tip, um, Barb. Thank you very much for that. Here's another question from the, um, the text line. It says, we all aspirate at night, so oral hygiene is highly important, especially if you have swallowing issues. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's not, uh, we're not aspirating a lot uh, in, in kind of a normal swallow function situation, but certainly if you have a swallowing deficit to the point that you maybe you're on thickened liquids, when you lie down at night, we do have a little more pooling of saliva, and saliva is a thin liquid. So in that case, it's, it's certainly would seem probable that you'd have a little bit of aspiration overnight. Um, and the caller is absolutely right that oral hygiene is incredibly important. Um, I We always recommend uh, that people practice very good oral hygiene after eating or drinking anything that's not water. So if you eat or drink anything and you have a swallowing deficit, you really should brush your teeth and really clean out all surfaces of the mouth um, immediately after eating or drinking. Thank you. Nicole, I want to ask you a question that has come up from a patient. It's about driving. Mm. How do you do a driving assessment? after? Uh, when, or how do families pursue that? Or how do patients pursue that? And what do you do to see, am I safe to drive after my brain injury? That is a very good question. Um, so we see a lot of uh, individuals who, um, different diagnoses, stroke, head injury, anything, any concerns in general about safety with driving. And so uh, in the program at HCMC, we have a clinic-based driving assessment. And so basically what that is, is it all takes place in the clinic. And so what we do is we assess, um, we assess vision, we assess kind of um, memory, divided attention, processing speed. Um, and we have a, a kind of a whole battery of assessments and we kind of pick and choose depending on what's appropriate and what are the areas of concern are. And then we also um, have a driving simulator in our clinic which is really helpful to kind of simulate on-the-road driving without somebody actually needing to do like an on-the-road test. And so it gives us a better viewpoint and um, a better understanding of the reaction speed, divided attention, and just attention to a task that's very similar to driving. So um, we kind of do that in our clinic and kind of formulate the assessment based on the patient and kind of the recommendations. There is also a 
on the road test or um, other clinics out there that will uh, that we can sometimes refer to if we're still kind of concerned about the driving despite what we've done in the clinic, and then um, we refer them to that. Those are usually more like kind of out of pocket expenses, but also very helpful and comprehensive too. Thank you for that. We've been talking to two experts from the Hennepin Healthcare Traumatic Brain Injury Center. Um, Allison Carlin, speech-language pathologist, and Nicole St. John. She's an occupational therapist. If you want more information about the center, about the services, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash TBI. And thank you both for being on the show today. We're out of time. Thank you for having us. It's been great having both of you on the show today. Next week is Ask the Pharmacist. Yes, get get those pharmacy questions ready for the show next week here on News Talk A3OWCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.